Well, with that uh, resounding thump by Elvin Jones on our theme song, which, of course, is uh, Soul Stirrin' by the great trombonist Benny Green and company, we'd like to uh, bring you another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker, and as usual, we're going to begin our show this evening with the jazz feature. And of course, um, after the feature, we've got all kinds of uh, really interesting music to play for you throughout the evening and into the early morning, because we go on until after midnight. Yes, with the jazz show. So our jazz feature this evening is an album by a gentleman who has been known uh, by several nicknames, The Chicago Fire, The Little Giant, his name, John Arnold Griffin, better known as Johnny Griffin. Johnny Griffin was one of the foremost exponents of the tenor saxophone. He was born April 24, 1928 and died in his, uh, at his adopted home at Montprevoir in France of a heart attack at the age of 80. Now, he died on July 25, 2008, but his last concert was four days before that fateful heart attack on July, 1st, or, uh, July 21, 2008. And Griffin was a small, wiry little man, stood just a little over five feet, and that's how he got his name, The Little Giant. And he is an an intense player. Uh, He came up with, of course, right in the middle of so many great saxophone players who were uh, beginning to dominate the scene at the time. Uh, Johnny was really became inter or nationally known in the mid-50s, and of course the other people uh, involved uh, in the era of the evolution of the tenor saxophone, Sonny Rollins, and the ever-developing John Coltrane. There was also Hank Mobley and and so many other great players. And Griffin came along with a whole new twist on the, uh, uh, with his concept of the tenor saxophone. Now, he was a very fast player. He was a very busy player and a very emotional player as well. And he had a, a unique sound uh, but the top register was kind of uh, almost like a, a pinched cry. And then he could reach down into the bottom of the tenor saxophone and get this big, magnificent uh, sound. Uh, Johnny was um, influenced, of course, by Don Bias, one of the great uh, transitional tenor saxophonists. He also loved Ben Webster, of course, who was a ballad master and had a beautiful, uh, deep sound. And, of course, Charlie Parker. And Johnny studied at the fabled DuSable High School in Chicago, where they had an amazing music program under a fellow by the name of Captain Walter Diet. And Diet taught all the musicians uh, discipline, reading skills, uh, learning how to play in a section, all that sort of stuff that, that was really necessary for survival in the music business. And, of course, DuSable High School produced some of our finest jazz musicians, Eddie Harris, 
uh, Clifford Jordan, Johnny Griffin, the man who does our theme song, Benny Green, Gene Ammons, the, uh, one of the tenor saxophonists on, on uh, our theme song. Uh, so many musicians. Richard Davis uh, is another one. And Julian Priester, the trombonist, who we're going to hear on our jazz feature this evening. Anyway, Griffin um, was a superior music student. He started on clarinet, and then he moved to oboe, and then the alto saxophone was his first uh, instrument. And three days after graduating from high school, he auditioned for and joined Lionel Hampton's band. And don't forget, he was 17 years old. Um, Gladys Hampton, who took, was the straw boss, Hampton's wife, she took care of the money and the hiring and firing of anybody in the band. Uh, she asked Johnny uh, if he had a tenor saxophone or, or if he even played it. And Johnny lied and said, yes, I play the tenor saxophone, but I don't own one. So Johnny had never played the larger instrument, but that was cool. Uh, Gladys said, well, we'll buy you one, and you will pay for it out of your wages. Uh, we'll, we'll take a certain amount out of your paycheck. And Johnny said, okay. And, of course, uh, he got his first tenor saxophone from Gladys Hampton and practiced it for a few hours. The next thing you know, he was playing in the band, and no one knew the difference. He had never played the larger horn, and that became his major instrument. Of course, after Lionel Hampton, he played uh, all over the country with various R&B bands and so on and so forth. And, of course, uh, as he was based in Chicago... He performed jam sessions in that city. They had a burgeoning jazz scene there, and he performed at uh, one of the major clubs called the Beehive, and everybody played there, and Griffin ended up playing with Thelonious Monk um, and local greats like Vaughn Freeman, Ira Sullivan, John Jenkins, so many other musicians. Johnny eventually headed for New York in late 1956 and recorded his first album for Blue Note Records called Simply introducing Johnny Griffin. And that was a great album, and it was greeted um, with uh, glowing reviews, and it sold very well for the uh, Blue Note label. And, of course, he became, uh, at that time, uh, uh, nationally recognized and a new voice on the tenor saxophone. It wasn't long before he joined Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, and eventually he took John Coltrane's place in Thelonious Monk's Working Quartet. And during that time, he recorded a fine series of dates for the Blue Note label under his name. And then he got a great offer from Riverside Records, and he signed with them. And uh, he left, uh, after he left Monk, he freelanced and then formed a great uh, two-tenor saxophone band with uh, Eddie Lockjaw Davis. And eventually in 1963, he left for Europe and spent most of his life over there, although he returned uh, to the United States for tours and visits and so on. He came to Vancouver a couple of times as well. And uh, that was basically um, what he did right up until his death in 2008. Now, we return to this album which was recorded in 1959. This is our jazz feature album tonight, and it's called The Little Giant. 
But it's different from most Johnny Griffin albums because most of his al- albums up to that time were quartet albums with him uh, being the only horn or jam session type albums with a whole bunch of horns and, and uh, what they used to call a blowing session. This album is a little different because there was some brand new and difficult material brought to this recording session, and obviously uh, a certain amount of rehearsal took place before these guys went into the studio because this music that you're going to hear is not exactly easy to play. And the band here is a sextet, and... Uh, of course, there has to be writing and organization and so on, and Griffin didn't want this album to be just another kind of jam album. And the compositions here uh, and arrangements, all of the arrangements and uh, three compositions were written by Johnny's buddy from Chicago, a great pianist, composer by the name of Norman Simmons. So he has a big part in this album. Uh, considering all of the tunes are his arrangements and, of course, his compositions as well. So this album really marked a departure for, uh, for Johnny Griffin, and it's, it's considered by many, including myself, to be one of his finest albums. And I think you'll enjoy every moment on this recording. So the personnel here is Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, the great Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Julian Priester on trombone, who is still very much with us. He lives in the Seattle area. Winton Kelly on piano, probably one of the finest piano players ever on on the planet. Sam Jones on bass. And another person who is still with us and still performing, the youngest Heath brother, Albert Tootie Heath on drums. And, of course, uh, these wonderful compositions by and arrangements by Norman Simmons. So we're going to hear, first of all, track one. It's called, um, we're going to hear two Norman Simmons compositions, first off. The first one is called All of Refractions, and the second tune is called The Message. Then we go to a Johnny Griffin composition, a great, uh, nasty-sounding urban blues called 63rd Street Theme. And then we go to an interesting, almost a novelty tune. Um, I don't know where Griffin discovered this old uh, favorite. It's written by a guy named Saxy Dowell. <laughs> what a name, huh? Uh, anyway, the tune was called Playmates. And the final tune is, again, another wonderful Norman Simmons composition and arrangement um, called Venus and the Moon. Then the final tune is a feature for simply Griffin on tenor saxophone, Sam Jones on bass, and Tootie Heath on drums. And it's a a, um, kind of an exotic-sounding composition written by Johnny's friend, uh, singer Babs Gonzalez. And the tune is called The Lonely One. And that concludes the recording date. So that's it. So once more, the, the personnel here, Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Julian Priester on trombone, Winton Kelly on piano, Sam Jones on bass, Albert Tootie Heath on drums, and we begin with all of Refractions. And here then 
is the little giant.
And that was our jazz feature this evening. The album entitled The Little Giant, and of course featuring the tenor saxophone stylings of the one and only Johnny Griffin and this hand-picked sextet of uh, great musicians, obviously um, reasonably well-rehearsed for um, a recording. Jazz recordings back in those days were pretty... Um, informal affairs. They were usually done within a couple of hours, but uh, because of the newness of uh, some of these charts um, that were all, that were written by Norman Simmons, who was a compatriot of Johnny's uh, from Chicago, a wonderful pianist arranger, and uh, he wrote three of the six compositions and arranged all of the tunes here on this album. The sextet, of course, was comprised of Johnny, as I mentioned, on tenor saxophone, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Julian Priester on trombone, Winton Kelly on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Albert Tootie Heath on drums. 
And the tunes we heard, we began with two uh, really intriguing uh, Norman Simmons compositions. The first one was the up-tempo Olive Refractions to uh, kick off the album. And then the second tune was entitled The Message. Tune number three was written by Johnny Griffin. And that was called 63rd Street Theme. And, of course, it was blues. And then we moved to a kind of a novelty tune. I think it was from the 20s. It was written by a guy named Saxy Dowell. <laughs> Great name. And he wrote that uh, tune. Uh, kind of a delightful melody, and, and the band made the most of it. Uh, the tune was called Playmates. And then... Uh, another great Norman Simmons composition called Venus and the Moon. And we ended the album with this um, wonderful composition by Babs Gonzalez that was played uh, without any of the other horns. It was just uh, Johnny Griffin, Sam Jones, and Albert Tootie Heath um, playing mallets uh, on his drums mostly. Well, at least in the solo he did. And that tune was called the Lonely One, and it was written by Johnny's good friend, uh, singer and jazz character, Babs Gonzalez. So that's it. That's the album, and it was issued initially on Riverside Records, recorded in August of 1959 in New York City, and it was entitled The Little Giant, and of course that was one of Johnny's nicknames. So I hope you enjoyed the jazz feature this evening. We're going to come up with some more music um, after some announcements, and uh, we're going to hear some music by the Modern Jazz Quartet. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, and of course we also live stream at CITR.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and I shall return in a few moments right after these important messages. You're a member of CITR and Discorder, but are you a true friend? Get a Friends of CITR and Discorder card for $20 for discounts on Commercial Drive at Audio Pile, High Life Records, Mintage, People's Co-op Bookstore, Stormcrow Tavern, The Rio Theater, JQ Clothing Limited, and Bone Rattle Music Limited. period, of course, of uh, cold weather, but it was sunny. And now, of course, we're kind of back to the usual weather we get this time of year. And of course, living in Vancouver, we all know about this. <laughs> and uh, we just have to have to deal with it in uh, 
the way that Vancouverites deal with the rain. So tonight is cloudy and a little windy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 4. Then it's going to be rain and windy tomorrow uh, on Tuesday with a low of 4 and a high of 6. And then the rest of the week, rain is in the forecast every damn day. (laughs) Wednesday, rain, a low of 4, high of 6. Thursday, periods of rain, low of 5, high of 7. Friday, rain, low of 6, high of 8. Saturday, rain, low of 4, high of 8. Sunday, rain, low of 7, high of 9. That's it. We have to look forward to that and uh, carry on. At least it hasn't snowed down here on the lower mainland because that's, that becomes a horror show, as we all know. Um, it is snowing up on grouse and, and the ski hills and all that kind of stuff, which is wonderful, as long as it doesn't snow here in Vancouver because it just causes chaos, panic, and horror, really. <laughs> okay, that's the weather picture. And Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, Discorder lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. The Modern Jazz Quartet was a band that uh, was put together uh, under that name. All these guys had become friends in the uh, in the forties, um, working with uh, Dizzy Gillespie and other people, and. The Modern Jazz Quartet became official uh, with their first recordings in late 1952, and they persisted um, and became one of the longest uh, organized jazz groups in the history of jazz music. Uh, even though they had a, um, they they broke up for a while in the mid 70s and then reunited in the 80s because uh, of the demand for uh, the group. And, of course, um, uh, continued until uh, deaths took, uh, changed the whole, whole group. The first uh, person to pass away was the uh, drummer, Connie Kay. And he was replaced uh, for a few years with uh, other drummers, Albert Heath, actually, Tootie Heath, who we heard on our jazz feature. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, death came to uh, Milt Jackson and John Lewis and eventually the bassist, Percy Heath. The personnel, um, the first um, edition of the Modern Jazz Quartet was Milt Jackson on vibes, uh, Percy Heath on bass, and the musical director of the Modern Jazz Quartet was pianist John Lewis, of course, who was a wonderful composer as well. And the first drummer was Kenny Clark. 
the great modern jazz pioneer. He left in 1955, and he was replaced by Connie Kay, who uh, stayed until he passed away many, many, many years. And, of course, Connie Kay was uh, a wonderful drummer, um, underrated, very sensitive. Um, This is one of the early uh, recordings by the modern jazz quartet. As a matter of fact, this was the first recording that Connie Kay participated in. He was just beginning his career with the, uh, with the group. He had just joined. And uh, this was the Modern Jazz Quartet's final album for Prestige Records before they moved to Atlantic for many, many years. And I've always liked this album. We're going to hear three tracks from it. The first one is Milt Jackson's delightful composition dedicated to the great jazz critic Ralph Gleason. Now, how many jazz musicians would dedicate a tune to jazz critics? Most jazz critics are are not well-liked by most musicians, but uh, Ralph Gleason was an exception. And uh, Milt Jackson wrote this in honor of Ralph, and it was called Ralph's New Blues. And that's what we're going to hear first. Then we're going to hear a standard tune, um, entitled I'll Remember April. And, of course, that, uh, that was uh, a standard tune that every jazz musician had to learn. And we're going to end with a John Lewis composition called Concord. So three tunes by this album, uh, the final album on Prestige Records by the Modern Jazz Quartet. Here's Ralph's New Blues.
The Modern Jazz Quartet, known as MJQ, of course. Uh, they were the longest um, jazz group, modern jazz group in existence. And, of course, they played all over the world. They were well-known. They played uh, for Queen Elizabeth and uh, uh, members of uh, uh, Parliament and uh, statesmen and all kinds of uh, wonderful venues, and they brought a lot of um, 
concert hall dignity. Uh, here were four African-American musicians. Um, they always performed in tuxedos. There used to be a joke around that they all took a, a bath in their tuxedos. But uh, that was the standard. Um, uh, they they perf- were really um, very formal and yet played great jazz. And Milt Jackson, of course, was uh, one of the most wonderful vibes players in the world, really a pioneer of modern jazz, the first great modern jazz vibes player. And, of course, he set the standard for that instrument in modern jazz. Um, he came from Lionel Hampton and, and, and took it to another, uh, another level. And, of course, uh, Percy Heath, one of the great bass players of all times. Uh, John Lewis was the musical director, and really he was the brains behind the modern jazz quartet. And, of course, he wrote some very intriguing uh, compositions, some very complex works as well, and, uh, of course, played uh, wonderful piano. John Lewis never wasted any notes on the piano. He, he actually was a virtuoso, but uh, he didn't display that all the time because he was um, considering the music and just played with the music rather than showing off chops and that sort of thing. Connie Kay was the drummer, and we heard three tunes from their final album for Prestige Records, uh, done in 1955, and this was Connie Kay's first recording with the Modern Jazz Quartet. Uh, He was the new drummer and the new member of the group. So we heard uh, a wonderful Mill Jackson composition to open up called Ralph's New Blues, dedicated to the jazz critic Ralph J. Gleason. The second tune was, of course, a great standard tune played by all jazz musicians, modern jazz musicians at least, uh, I'll Remember April. And the final tune was a John Lewis composition, kind of based uh, very fugue-like, and it was entitled Concord. And it was very typical of um, the John Lewis compositions that became more and more prevalent in the repertoire of the modern jazz quartet as the years went by. So I hope you enjoyed that little segment. We're going to move now to some wonderful music by one of the great acoustic guitarists by the name of Ralph Towner. And Ralph is playing um, 12-string on this particular piece of music. And Eddie Gomez is incredible on bass here. And Jack DeJanette on drums. And this is a wonderful composition from uh, Ralph Towner's uh, album called Batik. And this came out on the ECM label. It was recorded a number of years ago, actually 1979. And this is a a Ralph Towner composition entitled Water Wheel.
beautiful and haunting piece of music from uh, this Ralph Towner album entitled Batik, which was uh, issued on ECM Records. Ralph on 12-string guitar and Eddie Gomez doing uh, incredible work on uh, string bass and Jack D. Jeanette on drums. And that was Ralph Towner's composition entitled Water Wheel. Actually, I said uh, 1979. It was actually recorded in 1978. That's a few years ago in uh, Oslo, Norway. Ralph Towner, who is still very much alive. He lives uh, in Seattle. Ralph is an amazing uh, pianist. He was one of the founding fathers of a great uh, band entitled uh, Oregon, and one of the founding uh, gentlemen who... uh, developed that band, which was uh, big for so many years. We have a couple of quick announcements, and we'll be right back with some music by the wonderful Joni Taylor, one of Vancouver's leading singers, and uh, just a great voice from her latest album called In a Sentimental Mood with uh, an all-star group. We'll be back right after these messages, but I'd like to say that uh, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or live stream CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we shall return. Are you starting fresh this year and looking for new, exciting activities to do with friends on campus? Did you watch theater in high school and now miss it? Feeling overwhelmed and need a break? Come and escape to another world through thrilling live performance right on campus. Celebrate with us the 60th anniversary of UBC Theater and Films 2018-19 season. (laughs) Still need more convincing? It's only 11.50 for UBC students with your card. And bring your ticket into Kerner's after the show to get 10% off your food. Check out theaterfilm.ubc.ca today. Here is Joni Taylor, and Joni, of course, is performed is performing on this album with uh, one of the most incredible musicians that Canada has ever produced, the great P.J. Perry. P.J. is uh, playing alto and tenor saxophone here, Miles Black on piano, and one of Canada's great bass players as well, Neil Swainson, originally from Victoria. Uh, so was Miles, too. And uh, PJ, of course, uh, was born in Edmonton, but lived many, many years in Vancouver. And, of course, he's based in Edmonton, Alberta now, but it plays all over the country. And a uh, wonderful musician. But the focus here is on the voice, the amazing voice of Joni Taylor. And this is from her latest album. Uh, the title of the album is In a Sentimental Mood. 
and it's available on Seller Live, and it's Joni's latest. We're going to hear three tunes. One of her favorites is this uh, Bert Bacharach tune and Hal David tune from the famous Michael Caine movie, actually the movie that put Michael Caine on the map. Uh, and, of course, it was the original version of Alfie. Yeah, there was a remake of that, but uh, it was nothing like uh, the magic of the original with Michael Caine. Uh, this is the song from the movie Alfie. Then we're going to move to a Charlie Shavers composition called Undecided, and we're going to end the set with Sentimental Journey. So here, then, is the magnificent voice of the one and only Joni Taylor. What's it all about? Alfie Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you sort it out, Alfie? Are we meant to take more than we
say you do and then you don't and then you say you will and then you won't you're undecided now so what are you gonna do now you want to play and then it's no then you say you say and then you go you're undecided now so what are you gonna do i've been sitting on a fence doesn't make much sense you keep me in suspense and you know it you promise to return you don't i really burn guess i never learn and i show it so if you've got a heart and if you're kind don't keep us apart make up your mind you're undecided now so what are you gonna do
Take a sentimental journey Gonna set my heart at ease I'm gonna make a sentimental journey To renew old memories I got a bag, I got my reservations Spent every dime I could afford I'm like a child in wild anticipation Long to hear that all aboard seven That's the time it leaves at seven I'll be waiting up for heaven Counting every mile of railroad track Taking me Never thought my heart could be so yearning. Why did I decide to roam? I'm gonna take a sentimental journey, sentimental journey home. Yes, some of the best talent is right here in Vancouver, and that includes Joni Taylor, who you heard singing three tunes along with the great P.J. Perry on 
Uh, we heard him mostly on tenor saxophone, Miles Black on piano, and Neil Swainson on bass. And this is uh, three tunes from uh, Joni's album on Cellar Live entitled In a Sentimental Mood. We heard, first of all, uh, Burt Bacharach and Hal David's great tune from the movie. And we heard the tune Alfie, one of Joni's favorite tunes. I know this for sure. And the second tune was uh, a thing by Charlie Shavers entitled Undecided, Old Standard. And the third tune, of course, was the great uh, tune by Green and Brown, songwriters. I'm going to take a sentimental journey. And that featured the uh, lovely bass work of uh, Neil Swainson. And, of course, the incredible voice and uh, just projection and emotion that has always been part of uh, Joni Taylor's um, great musicality and wonderful emotional commitment to any tune that she sings. So there you go. It's, uh, the album is called In a Sentimental Mood, Cellar Live, and the artist, of course, is Joni Taylor. We're going to turn now to these pieces uh, have never actually been issued, except, well, they were issued at one time, but uh, previously unissued, put it that way. And um, this is by the great Hammond organist, who many people refer to as the Coltrane of the organ. His name, Larry Young, who was also known as Khalid Yassin. Now, Larry Young came from um, the pioneer of jazz organ. That was Jimmy Smith. And he was still in kind of in between his Jimmy Smith's uh, influence and where he was going uh, on these tracks. And featured with Larry Young is the great tenor saxophonist who was one of Charles Mingus's favorite, Booker Irvin on tenor saxophone and a drummer that I don't know his work, but he sounds just fine. His name is Jerry Thomas. And we're going to hear three tunes from Larry Young and company. The first one is known as, uh, was issued, he did a version of this tune on Blue Note Records, and he called it Backup. But the original title of this tune is a Larry Young invention called uh, Absolutely pausolutely. <laughs> there you go. And it's, it's um, basically a sophisticated blues. And the second tune is uh, the beautiful version of uh, this great ballad standard called You Don't Know What Love Is. And tune number three should be familiar to everyone, and that's Autumn Leaves. So here then, the music of Larry Young, Booker Irvin, and Jerry Thomas. And we begin with, well, what I said we were going to begin with. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. 
74 miles away. That's out there. An amazing piece of music played by the Cannibal Adderley Quintet with Brother Nat on cornet, the great Julian Cannibal Adderley on alto saxophone, Joe Zavanul on piano, Walter Booker on bass, and Roy McCurdy on drums, and Joe Zavanul's amazing composition in 7-4 time called 74 Miles Away. And uh, that was a live in the studio. Cannonball liked to record with an audience because he liked to that interplay and the audience energy and all that sort of stuff. So very often uh, these were done in the Capitol Recording Studios but with an invited audience with uh, food and beverages and everything, just like a club. And... Uh, that uh, gave Cannonball that kind of friendly ambience that uh, made his music so wonderful. And before that, we heard three rare tracks by the great Hammond organist Larry Young um, with tenor saxophonist Booker Irvin and Jerry Thomas on drums. And we heard uh, a tune which became known as Backup, but it was uh, the title here uh, was Larry's first title for the tune. It's basically a 12-bar, uh, complex 12-bar blues, and he calls it uh, absolutely, positively. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and then he changed the title to Backup, a little simpler. 
So the next tune after that was the great ballad, You Don't Know What Love Is. And then we heard, of course, the all-too-familiar Autumn Leaves. Uh, that set of three with uh, Hammond organist Larry Young. And he was truly an in- innovator on, on that instrument. And he was right in between uh, his major influence, Jimmy Smith, and also establishing his own personality. All of this stuff was recorded in 1963. We're going to turn now to a long piece of music by Christoph Komida. Christoph Komida was a composer and a wonderful piano player. Now, many of you have seen Roman Polanski's movies. Um, I know he's controversial, but he did a movie called Rosemary's Baby, and that's probably one, one of his most famous movies. And, of course, he did Knife in the Water, Cul-de-Sac, The Fearless Vampire Killers, so many um, movies, and... The scores were written by this gentleman who is playing piano on here, and he composed the music that we're going to hear. So that's Christoph Komida. And he's appearing here in this rare recording, recorded in Copenhagen in 1963 with Alan Baczynski on trumpet and the great Polish tenor saxophonist Jan Robluski and Roman Dilag on bass and Rune Carlson on drums. And we're going to hear Christoph Kamita's ballet Etudes. And this is a rather wonderful piece of music, and I hope you enjoy it. It's a, a long piece, but it in, involves all kinds of different moods and and uh, transitions and everything else. So the music of Christoph Komeda.
That is some music by Christoph Komeda, who played the piano on there. And, of course, Christoph Komeda, he's also known as Kay Komeda. And um, he's a Polish gentleman who wrote music for uh, a lot of very famous Roman Polanski movies. But here he was in a jazz context, and this was uh, recorded in 1963 in Copenhagen with an international band, with uh, Christoph Komeda, of course, on piano, and he composed that piece of music called Ballet Etudes. And the personnel, um, along with Christoph, was uh, Alan Boczynski on trumpet, the wonderful Polish tenor saxophonist Jan Robuluski, Roman Dylag on bass, and Rune Carlson on drums. And we heard the complete ballet etudes from this uh, album, which was uh, issued on Danish Metronome Records and recorded in Copenhagen, as I mentioned, May the 3rd, 1963. Mm-hmm. Some great stuff. We're going to turn now to a wonderful album recorded um, for Cellar Live, and it features the great Joe Magnarelli, Joe Mags on trumpet and flugelhorn, and one of my favorite tenor saxophonists, Ralph Moore, Anthony Wanzi on piano, Desron Douglas on bass, and George Flutus on drums. And the, ba- the, the purpose of this album is to uh, uh, commemorate the music of the great composer Tad Dameron. And these are all Tad Dameron compositions. We're going to hear two of them from this album. And... Tad Dameron's credo was uh, was in- interesting. He he was quoted um, as saying, "There is enough ugliness in the world. I am interested in beauty." And all of his compositions have this wonderful melodic content. And it's great that Joe Maggs and company uh, chose to commemorate Tad Dameron on this wonderful Cellar Live album. We're going to hear "Lady Bird" is the first tune. And the second tune is uh, a rather famous tune by Tad entitled On a Misty Night. So here then is Joe Magnarelli and company and the music of Tad Damerel.
such a wonderful album, I added another tune to the two that I was uh, initially going to play. This is uh, trumpeter Joe Magnarelli, Joe Mags, and he's appeared here in Vancouver many times. Wonderful player and, and musician and person as well, with uh, Ralph Moore on tenor saxophone, Anthony Wanzi on piano, Desron Douglas on bass, and George Flutus on drums. And the album is dedicated to the music of the great composer Tad Dameron, who was born in Cleveland February 21st, 1917, and passed away in New York City March the 8th, 1965. Gone too soon. And uh, Tad Dameron wrote some of the great uh, jazz tunes that everyone plays today. And we heard three of them on this album. Uh, the first one was Lady Bird. The second tune was On a Misty Night. And the third tune was called The Tad Walk. The music of Tad Dameron, played by Joe Magnarelli and company. That album is currently available on the Cellar Live label, and um, it's a fine one and worth getting. So there you go. We're going to close the show with some... Uh, take you to um, a Southside Lounge in Chicago called the DJ Lounge. A lot of great jazz was played there. And we're going to take you back uh, a number of years to a trio with the great Gene Ammons on tenor saxophone. He's the guy that solos on, um, on our theme song that uh, opens and closes the show. And Gene, of course, is one of the great great voices of the tenor saxophone. He appears here with just a trio with um, a wonderful gentleman by the name of Eddie Buster on organ. Yeah, there were two Buster brothers, and they both played the organ, <laughs> the, uh, the Hammond organ, and, and uh, they were both a big part of the Chicago jazz scene at one time. So this is Eddie Buster on Hammond organ and drummer Gerald Donovan. And we're going to hear some tunes from this live album recorded in the DJ Lounge in Chicago. And we're going to open with um, the great Charlie Parker tune, Scrapple from the Apple. And then we'll move to uh, a tune called Falling in Love with Love. And we'll end the set with um, Foot Tapping, an original by Gene Ammons. So here then, the great tenor saxophone voice of Gene Ammons. Thank you. 
The great Gene Ammons recorded at the DJ Lounge in Chicago back in August of 1961 with, uh, and of course Gene was from Chicago, he was a hero in his hometown, and of course one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, along with Eddie Buster on organ and Gerald Donovan on drums, and we heard three tunes from uh, that set. Uh, the first one was Scrapple from the Apple, and uh, that was a Charlie Parker tune, and then a great tune called Falling in Love with Love, and the final tune was a Gene Ammons original based on the blues entitled Foot Tappin'. And that's it for this edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. Thank you very much for being out there, and I hope you enjoyed uh, some of the music or all of the music on the show this evening. And uh, we'll return in seven days for our final show for the year 2018. And, of course, we're going to be doing a tribute to Christmas on that show because it's the closest to the Christmas holidays. So we've got some um, very appropriate music to play that you're not going to hear in shopping malls and uh, some really wonderful jazz. And, of course, we do our usual jazz feature uh, for this show, and that's, of course, the legendary Christmas Eve session that took place in New York City with Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, Milt Jackson, and company, and uh, known as the Bags Groove Session. And that's uh, what we're going to be doing as our jazz feature next week. So we hope you can be with us. We'll be back in seven days' time with another edition of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or for live streaming, CITR.ca. And we'll see you in seven days' time. Take care and try and stay out of the rain. It's going to come down hard. <laughs> okay, bye-bye.
Thank you. 